Hello and welcome to another edition of the Hooligan Report. I'm joined by Boyan. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm good, and I'm your host as always, SM. So we'll we'll get stuck into uh, the week that was in the Premier League, uh, and there's a few interesting results to chat about. Um, we'll start with the game between Man City and Everton, where Everton actually surprised me a little bit. I thought that they would struggle a bit more than they did against Man City, especially away from home, uh, and perhaps in part that was due to the heroics of Stekelenberg in goal for them. But how did you see this one, Boyan? Well, look, I thought uh, Coleman set Everton up pretty well um, from a defensive perspective. That's something that's certainly improved since they took over from uh, Roberto Martinez. But Man City really should have won this game quite comfortably, in my opinion. They had the majority of possession and had it in good areas. They'd just been struggling over the last you know, few games to kind of capitalise on that possession and take their chances. They've won a lot of penalties this year, but um, yeah, they're not putting them away. I mean, the two penalties, I mean, full credit to Stecklenberg, but that's really where the keeper wants it, kind of halfway up the goal, halfway towards the corner. It's kind of perfect for the keeper. So, I mean, full credit to him, but yeah, those penalties were pretty poor, and I wouldn't say there's... You know, any too much to worry about with regards to Man City, but did find it strange that uh, Kuhn didn't start against Barcelona. And I, I note that Pep's uh, come out and says, you know, Pep, uh, Aguero will decide his own future. Um, I'll, I won't decide it for him. Which is kind of is I'm not sure how how you interpret that. Is that him saying, well, maybe Aguero, you're not good enough, and I'm going to bring in someone else, and you can decide whether you want to stay or leave, or is it saying he's out of form and he needs a few weeks off? I'm not quite sure. So I wouldn't be worrying too much if I was a Man City fan, but, you know, um, they probably want to start taking their chances pretty soon. And in terms of Everton, you know, that they, they kind of showed that, that a lot of mental resilience and have done since the start of the season and you know if, if anyone was underrating Ronald Koeman um, going into this season I think they've been given a wake up call he's a top class manager well I mean it's interesting you say they've, they've kind of struggled in recent games um, Manchester City that is uh, and it's interesting that even though De Bruyne returned and, and started this game uh, he couldn't have the impact that perhaps people thought he might have had. I mean, you look at the stats of when he plays versus when he doesn't play, and, and that sort of excused perhaps their results in recent weeks. But returning, perhaps, you know, perhaps he's a bit underdone, so that might explain it on, on this occasion. But as you say, the two penalties were pretty poor from um, De Bruyne and Aguero. I can't remember who it was, but I saw uh, one of the commentators discussing the fact that both Aguero and De Bruyne are uh, right-footed, but they put the ball to the left of the keeper, and when you're doing that, the ball is always going to be curling back towards the keeper, whereas if you're right-footed and you take it to the to the right of the keeper, the ball's going to always be curling away from the keeper, um, which I thought was a really interesting insight and a really good point into the fact that, as you say, that the, the balls are basically put exactly where the keeper would want it. I mean, he had to stretch a little bit mm. on the Aguero one, but both relatively comfortable saves um, in terms of penalties. Um but yeah, I mean, it's it's impressive, uh, an impressive performance by Everton. I mean, if you are going to go that side, you really need to be hitting the ball a bit harder than that too, because you you see kind of uh, quite a few penalties, a kind of half saved, but the keeper can't quite get 
enough on them and they still go in. But they're just, yeah, not hard enough in the wrong spot. And then, obviously, so. they, 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 Man City also lost 4-0 to Barcelona midweek in the Champions League with um, Bravo being sent off. Did you make much of that, or was that sort of just a... Um, it's it's tough going to, to play Barcelona and, and that sort of thing can happen to sides? Or, or do you look at Bravo's performance, perhaps, and, and think that really kind of uh, might say a lot about where Man City are at at the moment? Oh, I don't think it says anything about where Man City... Oh. And you know how they'll perform for the rest of the season. I think that what it shows, I don't think that the Man City defenders are giving enough options for Bravo. So they want Bravo to kind of or play the ball out of defence. But you look at the way Bass that kind of play, and that's the system he's come from. The full backs will spread to the corner flats that for that out pass and the defensive. Midfielder Busquets will kind of tuck in and and come to collect the ball. There's just isn't isn't that movement at the moment from Man City's um, defenders and defensive midfielder. So that's you know something that you would expect to improve over the course of the season. It's not going to be great for his confidence. For Bravo's confidence, he's coming to he's just you know pretty much just turned up in the league. He was very shaky against United. He's been shaking a few other games. I know that Moonbrook on the board's been saying, oh you know well he's had. 200 passes that have been completed, short passes, and you know he's he's been really good. He's really important, but the three passes where he's passed to the opposition—that's the only one that only stat that people really care about because those are the ones that cost you games. So I don't, I don't think it's—I mean, I wouldn't be reading too much into that. I would say that you know, did it roll over four nil? That doesn't say much for City's. Defenders, they started the season really well, and I think the fact that they have so much possession, kind of what people were saying about about United last last year, you know, is that defense actually good? They just shot the ball the whole time, which means they're not not defending much. I'm still not convinced by a lot of Man City's defenders. Um, John Stone started the season really really well, but again, he didn't really have too much actual defending to do. It was more him bringing the ball out the back and showing off his passing re- repertoire, but one him plotted, so I still I think one on one he's got a lot to work on in his game. Otamendi's been poor pretty much ever since he turned up in the league, and stick or fought in Vincent Company. He told the club doctor he, he was he wasn't prepared to, to play in this game because he wasn't fit, even though the club doctor said you know medically you're right. So they I mean that's look the the midfield and forward half is formidable for Man City. And they actually, despite us, despite United spending 89 million on Podgra, they actually spent more than us this summer. I wouldn't be surprised if in January um, and at very least next summer, you see a kind of 100 plus million go into that defence, because that defence is pretty old as well. You know, Klichy, Sanya, Kolarov, um, company, these guys aren't getting any younger. They've got one 10-year player there, most likely in Stones. They're probably spending big money on bringing in some high-quality defenders. Yeah, it's going to be interesting times for Man City, um, and especially company. It'll be interesting to see uh, where he goes to from here, because it does just look like his body's letting him mm-hmm. down. Um, we'll move on, and, and sadly, perhaps spend a little bit of time chatting about the pretty appalling defeat by Hull against Bournemouth, uh, losing 6-1 away from home. Um, and I guess the really disappointing aspect of this was, and it was summed up by Curtis Davies after the game, was we have excuses for previous performance where you say, well, we were a man down against Arsenal and Liverpool. We were playing against the big clubs when we lost to Chelsea. 
uh, and Arsenal and Liverpool. Um, but against Bournemouth, we played 11 men for the whole game. Uh, we were playing a side in and around our position in the league. We really should have been um, much more motivated for the game, looking at it as, as a game where we really needed to get points out of it and to capitulate in the way we did was just absolutely dismal. And, and you could see it from the start of the game. I, I mean, we I wouldn't be surprised if we had less than 10 tackles in the first half because we just sat off Bournemouth so much. And um, unfortunately, Will Keane um, from United only had one touch in the first half and, and really was basically invisible in the game, um, which is really mm. disappointing from his point of view. Yeah, definitely. I mean... Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, the defensive partnership between was it Livermore and Curtis Davies, which was so successful at the start of the year, was kind of broken up for this game by feeling. And it, was, yeah. it was interesting uh, because it's it's one of those ones where, as a supporter, we've been saying for weeks that we want to see Maguire in defence. So whilst mm. we can put the blame on on Phelan for changing that around. It's not as if we haven't been calling for that ourselves. <laughs> so it's it's one of those hard ones where you say, well, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's what we wanted, and clearly it hasn't worked. So perhaps you know it's kind of on us to some extent. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And that's the that's a really interesting thing because looking at that lineup going into that game, I was really excited and I really liked the way that he changed the team around because that's the sort of lineup I would have liked to see and and getting. A chance to see Keane, they uh, you know start a game and, and see what he could do mm. was a good thing. But so, as much as I want to blame Phelan for the lineup, that's with the benefit of hindsight. And, and at the time, I was actually quite happy with it. Yeah, look, I think I think Bournemouth are fairly un- underrated, and I really enjoy the way that um, Eddie Howe plays his football. Yeah, um, yeah, they really try and play properly. Um, and I, that's probably not going to be suited towards um, a, a, a team like Hull and the kind of... So I, I wouldn't be too concerned about not picking up points against these. If you, if you don't pick up points against the Burnleys of the world, those are the games I'd be more, more concerned about. Um, it's, the more, than, it's more the manner of the defeat, though. To, to concede six goals is quite concerning. Yeah, do, do you think that has something to do with the fact that you weren't, because you had no players, you weren't able to rotate the start of the year? You think some guys are... Might be getting tired, maybe, yeah. I mean, it's interesting um, as well. I mean, I, I was discussing with another City supporter uh, the other night. I mean, in some ways, it might even be the fact that the players that we had at the start of the year aren't in the side at the moment. You're David Myler, you're Tom Huddleston, um, who actually, for instance, Huddleston, really important to have playing because he can control the tempo of the game so well and he can actually, uh, with his passing, really um, bring us back into the game, spray the passes out wide and, and give our runners a bit of um, room on the wings. But playing, I mean, Klukas, what was it, Klukas, Livermore and um, Mason in that midfield three with Maloney and Snodgrass on the wings, just I'm not sure if that worked. And, and Maloney's one especially who, while he's looked really good off the bench, I just don't see as a starter. I mean, he, he's great to throw on in a game late, and he did quite well for us against Swansea and then against Burnley, coming on late in games with his really good foot skills and his passing ability, but I just don't think he has the legs to start a game. And um, may, maybe you're right. I mean, maybe da- I mean Davies had a really great start to the season, and he just seems to have um, lost a bit of confidence at the moment, but I think Michael Dawson should be back tonight, which will hopefully... Um, hopefully shore up that defence again. But it's, it's a must-win game against Stoke, which we'll, we'll chat about later. But um, from an outsider's point of view, do you do you think uh, if we lost tonight that Phelan could be under any pressure or, or far too soon? 
Oh, well, depends on the ownership situation, really. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, from an outsider looking in, my concern with, with Hull would be the fact that uh, they don't seem to pose much threat going forward aside from set pieces. Yeah. It seems that a team definitely set up to kind of get the ball down to the corner flag and win some corners and um, probably as, as well as scoring from corners, hope that Snodgrass can put a few free kicks into the goal from, uh, yeah, from free kicks. So I'd be more concerned about the lack of uh, threat in the attacking third. But, you know, I don't think that's the fault of Mike Phelan. I mean, you know, people will probably say that I'm biased because of his links to United. But in all fairness to him, it's not like he was given his pick of players. Yeah. In the Tuna transfer window, he was kind of given, what, 13, 14 players and told to do your best. And I think he's done all that could be expected of him. Uh, hopefully your ownership situation can be resolved and you can bring in some reinforcements in January. Yeah, hopefully that's the case. I mean, there's a bid on the table at the moment and I guess we'll see how that mm. pans out, but we've we've had two failed takeover bids um, already this season, so it's sort of a case of just um, waiting and hope at this stage. Um, we'll then talk about Chelsea against Leicester, where Chelsea ran out 3-0 win victors at home, um, which is almost becoming a familiar sight for Leicester supporters, going away to a big club and kind of getting belted in the end and not really looking too much of a threat themselves. Do you do you see it as much of a concern from a Leicester point of view or do you think that they've just got their focus on the uh, Champions League at this stage? I think they definitely have their focus on the Champions League. I think that is a little bit of a risky proposition because unless they win the Champions League, they won't be in it next year. So you're going to lose your kind of Riyad Mahrez calibre players next year anyway. Yeah. Um, because... You know, they, they might have turned down Arsenal this year to in the Champions League, but they won't be turning down Arsenal in the, in the bigger clubs next season. Um, I was a little bit, I mean, while well, I enjoy it, I was a little bit disturbed by their performance when they came to United. They got kind of, they started they started relatively well for 15 minutes, and United really blew them away. I think they were up 3 0 at half time. And then I think they started the second half, and for Vardy, Mares, and Drinkwater on the bench. Yeah, they pretty much just kind of gave up, and then they've approached some of these league games with a similar kind of mentality. It's almost which I think sends the wrong message to the um, playing squad that they don't need to turn up during the week. Sorry, they don't need to turn up on weekends just during the week for Champions League games. Um, so the way they're going, I can see them kind of slipping to a a 12th to 14th kind of finish. I think they've got enough um, to be safe. I like the look of Slomani, Damari Gray's playing well, um, and Drinkwater's having a really good season. But, yeah, I'm not, I don't agree with what they're doing, but if I'm a Leicester fan, just enjoy those Wednesday nights. Uh, from a Chelsea point of view, do you think that they've kind of um, sorted out their issues? I mean, they've switched to a three at the back, and, and do you see that working mm. better for them and perhaps letting them push up towards a top-four finish? Because, I mean, the talk at the start of the season when they were one of the three undefeated teams was perhaps perhaps not challenging for the title, but, but certainly seemed to be uh, for a top-four finish. But in recent weeks, they've kind of slipped off the pace a little bit and perhaps they're even going under the radar a bit now. Well... I don't think they're going to contend for top four because I don't think they've got the quality in defence um, to, to do that. I, I, I'm really hoping that Conte actually succeeds 
at Chelsea because I, I like his system. I like the way he he, he sets up. And from a ta- if you appreciate the tactical side of the game, it's really enjoyable. Um, but he just hasn't got the cattle. What was really interesting um, that came out this well, sorry, was it earlier this week? I think was that uh, Chelsea's director of football's been not sacked but moved. So Chelsea are going to bring in a new director of football to go and find players and do transfers. So Mourinho basically left um, Chelsea, or the whole thing capitulated, because he wanted to get rid of a couple of players who were bad for the dressing room, namely Jeter Costa and Cesc Fabregas, um, who ended up you know, being the ones who were leaking things to the media later on and causing the disharmony in the squad, and he wanted to bring in uh, um, a couple of new players fresh on the squad, one of which was Paul Podra, who ended up obviously getting this year at United. And they had a huge falling out, Aminalo and Mourinho, and all the signs over the summer was that um, Conte wanted to go and get Koulibaly, wanted to go and get Manolas from Roma, and Emanuele just couldn't get it done or didn't want to bring in these players and they ended up going back to David Luiz. Well, you yeah. all know what David Luiz is, right? He's a, a fair liability. He's got a lot of talent, but he's a liability in defence. He, he's basically, um, I mean, like, from memory, I mean, he even... St- was it? Did he start his career in midfield and move to defence or was it just something that he always sort of flitted between the two? Because he seems to me a much more um, reliable player in midfield where he's not as close to goal and, and not as liable for a defensive mishap. That's a fair way. To, yeah, that, that's absolutely a fair call. I mean, he's got a lot of which attracts clubs to kind of buy him, but he's not a top-level defender. And it's interesting that um, I can't remember the coach went was it Unai Emery went to um yeah, PSG? to PSG yeah, the yeah. Sevilla yeah the, the the old Sevilla coach first thing he did see you later David Luiz <laughs> you can't defend um so yeah I think the fact that he's got a lot of ability on the ball you know has probably made his career because defensively he's always a liability who's waiting to happen so I think I think Chelsea will contend next year. I think the back three will come together. The back three with the wing backs, because you've got so many um, defenders on the field, that will kind of cover up the fact that individually one on one, you'll look shaky. I mean, if you've got Louise with his, um, you know, him being a liability potentially defensively next to John Terry, who you know, great defender, but he's slow as anything these days. You know, they're going to they're gonna concede goals. But if you've got a back five, effectively, um, that should prevent that. And they've still got enough going forward. So, not top four this year for mine, but certainly next year. Um, well, we'll talk about the club that Mourinho left Chelsea for now. And you had mm-hmm. a nil-nil draw with Liverpool on the Monday night, on Red Monday, which um, was a bit <laughs> underwhelming after all the build-up, I must say. Uh, getting up for that one was not the highlight of my week. Um, <laughs> how, how did you see the game? Obviously, there's been a bit, bit of debate on the board about uh, which side was more at fault for the way the game panned out. And some say, well, it was a Liverpool home game. They had all of the possession, but they could only manage three shots on goal. Others say, well, Mourinho went to Liverpool with a with a game plan to sort of stifle Liverpool's play. And, and whilst fair play to him, that got him the result he wanted in a draw. Um, after all of the money that you've spent and, and sort of the ambitions that you should be having, going to the club <laughs> and expecting a draw is a, is a poor way of looking at things. I mean, those are the two sort of views that I've seen on the board, but, but how do you see it? I don't do it. Well, I've, I've made a few points. Um, 
Styles make fights. If anyone listening is into boxing, it's a commonly used term. Um, so you know, Mourinho's trying to and look. Sirius Ferguson did this every year. This is not a, a new thing. You go to Anfield, you go to Stamford Bridge, you go to um, the Emirates, and you set up and you say, "We're not going to lose this game. At worst, we'll get a draw. We'll, we'll grind it out and get a draw." Liverpool have been flying. United have been stuttering. So to think that Mourinho, with with quite a few players missing, is going to turn up at Anfield and leave himself open, I don't think so. Yeah. So he's, he, he, he's, he set up the team um, in a way where he asked Ashley Young and um, Marcus Rashford to defend quite deep, which is kind of quite funny because Job keeps saying on the board how Milner dominated Rashford. Well, he actually watched the game. Um, Rashford and uh, Young were sitting really deep and really doing defensive jobs trying to stop the overlap with people like, like Milner and the midfielders drifting out there. So in terms of the spend, the spend's very irrelevant unless you're discussing the probably the end result of the season. So that doesn't really matter now. Something to be said for the fact that Mourinho's only been there for, what, two or three months? So whereas, whereas Liverpool and Klopp are a long way further in, in their development, um, in terms of in terms of the game, it was yeah, it was kind of uh, yeah. There's no doubt it was it was boring, and uh, well, I mentioned that you know I appreciate the tactical masterclasses that uh, Conte's teams can put on. This wasn't that kind of game. This was a very scrappy game, um, and Herrera was magnificent. Really, didn't put a foot wrong. All night, uh, and stifled any potential attacks that um, Liverpool had. And when they did pull something out of their ass, i.e., Coutinho, um, David De Gea, world class. Never what did doubt you, him. What did you make of Mourinho's comments in relation to Ibra? And was it Pogba as well that he was sort of criticising after the game and um, the way that Ibra oh, missed that yeah. chance? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you look, you look back at, I mean, I, I watched a lot of. Italian football and have done since I was a child, really. So I enjoy that. Big, big fan of guys like Francesco Totti and Tassano and those kind of guys. Um, at, at, at Juventus, he had uh, Mandzukic, who moves a lot up front, and uh, Paolo Dybala, who's quick, plays on the shoulder. Ibrahimovic started the season on fire, but he's been poor, really poor the last... Is that, is that concerning for you? Probably the last month. Do you see that it's as... Cons- uh, no, not really. Because I don't think we can win the title this year. Okay. So I and I, I would so the, so Ibrahimovic's contract is he's got a one year deal with, with a club as an option to extend it by a year. Right? If he keeps this up, they won't extend it. He's too static. It's not that he's not doing X, Y, and Z, but, but Podbury gets the ball in midfield. He just breezes past two or three because it's just pure athleticism. He looks up. And there's no, like, Ibrahimovic is coming towards him, whereas Pod was looking for that, that through ball, whether it was last year it was to Dybala or the, uh, or the ball over the top, and there's just no one, no one there at the moment. So I'd imagine I wouldn't be against uh, Ibrahimovic having a rest and us putting Rashford up front. So I think that Rashford getting those through balls, those balls over the top using his pace to be really damaging yeah. with Pogba. Um, Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, Rashford's sort of been pushed out wide to accommodate Ibra, but I I, I definitely agree. I mean, I think 
giving Rashford that chance up top um, might become might, might be a much better option for you guys and much more dynamic. Well, the good thing about um, Mourinho is if you do your job, you'll stay on the side. So Marcus Rashford will be in the side on the weekend because Mourinho gave him a job on on um, Monday night and he fulfilled it completely. So he'll be playing again. If Ibrahimovic goes down for whatever reason and Rashford starts banging goals, Rashford will stay up top. That's the good thing about about, about Jose. He'll he'll reward that. Um, so, I mean, d- d- going forward, it's, it's positive for us. Look, we've got uh, Martial played in the Europa League and looked good, so he'll be he'll be back for the weekend. That's promising. Metatarin apparently is two weeks away. Just started training. Luke Shaw as well. So there's a lot still to come back in the side. So there are signs, but we're um, we're far from the finished article. Liverpool. Daniel Sturridge. Yeah, he was poor. He was so poor. Really poor. Every touch. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, yeah, Jamie Carrey did him a little bit of a bait as well in the post-match. Um, he looks, for a guy who's a confidence player, he looks devoid of it at the moment. And that's yeah. probably, you know, m- m- maybe coming off a, a Euros in which he was probably a little bit selfish. Um, didn't do the ball up much and sh- Shooting a look. I mean, you, you looked at kind of the difference between him last year to this year versus Raheem Sterling last year in the Euros. Couldn't hit a barn door, couldn't do anything to this year where he's absolutely flying. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, they, they've still got a lot. I think they'll they'll push for, for top four, but I really can't tell with them because they're just as likely to go and batter Arsenal, Chelsea, whoever, 3 0 as they are to go and get rolled by Burnley, you know? It's just yeah. that kind of stuff. Well, speaking of Arsenal, we'll um, m- mention the other results from the weekend and just run through them. I mean, we had Arsenal beating Swansea 3-2, which I guess was actually a pretty good result for Arsenal because Swansea generally have had their measure in recent <laughs> seasons. Um, and it was obviously first outing for Bob Bradley, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how he goes with Swansea going forward. Um, Stoke got a pretty uh, handy win against Sunderland 2-0, and you've got to say it must be almost curtains for David Moyes. Yeah, Moyes is struggling. Yeah. <laughs> no no doubt about that. I mean, can't, can't see how much longer they hold on, to, hold on with him, though. He, he's not the only Sunderland manager who's been on a struggle to start the season. I think there's some ridiculous stat like they... They hadn't won a game in any uh, in August yeah. or September for four years or something. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, um, the more things uh, change, the more they stay the same. I guess going with that theme, West Brom got a one-one draw with Spurs, which was a good result for for West Brom. But I think it might be three seasons in a row that they've had a one-one draw with Spurs at um, at the Hawthorns or something like that. I think I saw. Well, that's the whole thing. I don't. I'm not looking. The guys on the board who are complaining about Pulis, I mean, give it a rest. If if you want him to stop doing that, you got to beat his beat his teams and make him change it. And Ch- you Chadley, can't, you Ch- can't. Chadley not uh, celebrating scoring the goal. What's your thought on uh, players not um, celebrating when they score against a former club? Oh, I remember you asking me this question a few years ago, actually. But uh, I when Welbeck scored against United, I, I don't mind. I, I don't mind. I, I won't begrudge players celebrating goals. Obviously, not in the 
at it by all style, <laughs> but um, but you know, if you score, it's an emotional emotional thing. So go for it. Um, with the, when you're talking about Arsenal earlier, um, beating Swansea, they're kind of in the league, just, just doing enough at the moment. I think they're, they're looking really dangerous for the trolling they do about Wenger being, you know, the specialist in failure and that. He's kind of he's turned them around pretty well. He's, yeah, yeah, they're just getting they're just getting the breaks. And I'm not saying that as in, oh, they're lucky if they're only winning, th- winning through luck, but, you know, champions do get the breaks. Yeah. Right, they got that, like, Koscielny punching the ball in the net and got away with that. And, you the know. late penalty against Southampton as well. She'd like, yeah, late penalty against Southampton. They've had a few of those this year. Um, and, yeah, they'll be, if, if they can stay up here, they'll be dangerous. And, well, I don't... Can you explain to me what's happening with Theo Walcott? This bloke yeah, has been know. a shit truck for years. He turns it on for like three or four games a season on yeah. 140 grand a week. He's the butt of pretty much 50% of Premier League jokes in the pub. But I'll tell you um, what. He's turned into a temporary superstar. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. I've, I've just brought him into my fantasy side this week, so you can guarantee the streak of form is over. He's going to get a red card uh, this weekend against Middlesbrough, and then that'll be it. He's done. Um... <laughs> West Ham got a pretty handy win against Palace away from home, which can sort of—I think it's actually taken them out of the bottom three um, for the first time this season, which will be um, a bit of relief for their supporters. But pretty terrible penalty missed by Benteke, if you've seen that one. I mean, it's mm. pouring, pouring with rain. All he has to do, and the keeper pretty much moves before he hits it. All he has to do is either, you know, get some lift on it, but you don't have to go for the top corner the way he does. I mean, it's a bit of a weird one, but. Um, Watford beating Middlesbrough 1-0 away from home as well. Holobas scored an absolute screamer, which was um, a great goal in mm. an otherwise pretty drab game. Go Watford. And uh, Southampton 3-1 winners at home to Burnley, which I thought was a pretty uh, routine expected result. Yeah, but they, they haven't been playing you know free-flying football this year for Southampton, so it was good to you know see them actually back up the goals. Well, we'll do the previews now for the weekend um, with the first game of the of the uh, the weekend's fixtures tonight between Bournemouth and Spurs. Bournemouth at home in that one. Um, we've just been talking about how Bournemouth are actually looking pretty decent and they've actually been really good at home as well. I think they've won their last three games there and they've only conceded one goal, which, funnily enough, was against us. I mean, that was probably their best win there, but that was the only goal they conceded. Um any danger posed for Spurs travelling down there, or do you think Spurs, um, against a side that likes to play that open attacking football, might actually be able to, um, to press them quite well? Oh, look, I think the key for Spurs um, will be how Adebayo's replacement kind of fits in. So if, it, if it's Dyer, or if it's, what's his name, Carter Vitches Lewis, whatever the hell his name is. Um, or, um, you is, know. Vi- is Vimmer also a centre-back? No, he's banished. He's been banished. Oh, okay. He, he, he is a, well, he's kind of like a utility defender like Daly Blind style. But, um, yeah, he hasn't got much game time. 
this year and was pretty mouthy when he was away on international duty. Had an absolute mare, and so Pochettino, you can't be can't be doing that with him. So he's not. I don't think he's even in the, in the squad um, for that for that game. So probably going to be Eric Dyer. I fancy, given the form that Bournemouth are in, I've probably got a little bit more faith in them than most. I fancy a pretty entertaining 1-1 draw at Spurs, um, similar to the way Arsenal were kind of just getting the job done. Spurs uh, are hard to beat, uh, fairly mentally resilient, which is certainly something pretty much I haven't seen in my lifetime. <laughs> from, no, I'm going to actually be in yeah, yeah. Aside from from Pochettino, it's actually put that in, in you know he's ingrained that in the team. No, um, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because it's true. And I mean, yeah, as you said, they've, they've certainly flown under the radar. Um, I think they're still undefeated. I think they're the only side left undefeated mm-hmm. in the league. And and obviously with that really impressive win against Man City recently as well. Um, surprised mm. they're not talked about more often than they are. But I have a feeling I had them coming second or third in my prediction pre-season, so glad they're sort of living up to that. Um, I tend to agree. I mean, I think Bournemouth at home is a pretty interesting proposition. I think it'll be a pretty entertaining game to watch. I I do think Spurs can just get the edge in this one. I think it'll be 2-1 or something like that, so I think uh, it'll be a pretty tightly contested game, but um, yeah, one pretty interesting to watch. Um, we then have Arsenal at home to Middlesbrough, which I sort of alluded to before with Walcott. And Walcott's in pretty fine form at the moment, but Arsenal as a whole, I mean, they beat Ludigretz midweek 6-0, six, six I think it was, um, with Ozil getting his first senior hat-trick, which um, is pretty staggering when you think about it. But uh, how do you see this one panning out, um, especially with Middlesbrough not really in the best of form? Oh, look, the 6-0 against Ludigretz, that's, that's Arsenal all over. Downhill, Josh Kennedy, just ski down that hill. Um, <laughs> uh, so this week against Borough, well, Borough don't concede too many. Um, so, but so is this, is this at uh, the Emirates? It's at the Emirates, yeah. So I mean, Borough, Borough are pretty good right. defensively at home, but yeah, mm. away from home they might struggle a bit. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll back Arsenal to keep the train going, and I'll say. 3-0. Yeah, I think Arsenal... I, I agree on that one. I think Arsenal will do this one pretty comfortably, 2 or 3-0 as well. Um, West Ham at home to Sunderland. I mean, West Ham and Sunderland had pretty tough fixtures last week in terms of six-point fixtures, and, and they now face each other. West Ham having won theirs against Palace, Sunderland having lost theirs against Stoke. We've to- already talked about Moyes a little bit, but is this almost do or die for him? Is this is this something he needs to get a point out of or needs to get a result out of? Because I've seen in the papers they're already talking about um, Big Sam perhaps coming in and uh, taking mm. over. Yeah, look, I mean, that, that wouldn't su- surprise me um, at, at, all, at all, really. The, the, the list they've got isn't too flash. And, yeah, I don't know, I think... I think the United experience has just sapped the confidence out of Moyes completely. Yeah. Induced he lacks confidence in his own ability. What happened at Sociedad wouldn't have helped either. Um, so, yeah, I think that he, although it's a little bit silly because, you know, with that squad, how much better can, can it do? But um, I think the change will be made soon. West Ham, well... 
they're really struggling, but and they really needed needed three points here. Uh, they're just not playing. It's not playing good football. There's been a, there's been a mentality change in that club over the last four months. I'd, I'd say, which hasn't played well for them. But I'll say they'll get the job done two one. I've realised it's at home for West Ham though, so that's almost it's funny in in the sense that West mm-hmm. Ham at home are almost um, worse than they are away because of mm-hmm. the issues with their supporters. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think West Ham will get up in this one. I, I really can't see Sunderland uh, getting a result in, in in this game, but uh, stranger things have happened. But yeah, I'll go two 0 to West Ham in this one. I think. Um, then we have Leicester at home to Crystal Palace, and Leicester have looked looked a lot better at home than they have away and. Um, especially against the lower clubs, they seem to be quite solid um, at home. Uh, I think last time out at home they might have beaten Burnley or they might have had a draw with Southampton. I can't remember if it was one of those two games. Um, But they're coming up against Crystal Palace who lost last time out. Do you see Palace posing much threat to Leicester or do you think Leicester will uh, knock them off? Oh, you mean you'd have to think that Leicester, if... If they if they put their, their their proper first eleven out there, if they and if they turn up with the right mentality, they should win this game quite comfortably. But you know they've been pretty soft so far this year in, in the league. I'm just not quite sure that uh, without Wilfred Zaha, do they have the threat? That's a, not what's, who's the bloke, um, Balassi. Do do they have the threat going forward um, to really, to to really hurt Leicester? I mean Leicester is still at least on paper. Looking at last year, fairly solid defensively, um, and I don't think there's going to be enough firepower going forward for Palace. So I'll back Leicester in three-one. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think maybe two-nil or three-one to Leicester. It'll be interesting to see how Benteke bounces back. Whether that that bad penalty miss sort of scars him a little bit because he's had a pretty decent start to his time with Palace, but. Uh, be interesting to see how he kicks on, and and yeah, I mean it'll be interesting. I mean, coming off a Champions League game where the Leicester actually have a bit more zip in their um, zip in their step, and it's interesting to see Danny Simpson saying that they had a bit of a talking to between all the players after the Chelsea result, and you know all of the all of the focus is now back on, and everyone's refocused, and we're all motivated, and you hear that sort of thing after a big loss, and you know, you never know quite what to think about it. So it'll be interesting to see how they go against Palace, and I, I do think they'll get. The win in that one. Uh, next up is Hull at home to Stoke, and um, I can't be too confident going into this one. I'm, I'm, I really think Stoke will probably beat us, um, especially they've taken four points in their last two games. Joe Allen's decided to turn back into the Welsh Perlo or the Welsh Shavi or whoever you want to compare mm. him to. Um, and even we beat them in the cup uh, quite recently, where they played a pretty much full strength side, and we played. Um, well, most of our new signings, so it was mainly depth players. And I mean, even even Weir was playing in that game and he actually got the assist for the winner. Um, and Henriksen got the actual goal for the winner. Mason scored the first goal and, and that was away from home. But even at home, I just the way we're playing at the moment and the way Stoke have a bit more confidence in the way they're playing, I just, I can't really take anything too much. I can't take any confidence into this game. But uh, what do you reckon? I'm so trying to exactly seeing the world on fire at the moment either. So I wouldn't worry too much too much about that. Um, what's the home support like these days at Hull? Oh, people still staying away? No, yeah, they are. They are. It's um, it's absolutely dreadful. And there's actually just been an article written about it, which I didn't get a chance to read before we came on. But it's sounding like there's going to be about seven thousand less at this game. <laughs> 
than our oh, okay. previous worst crowd against Stoke. So not even 7,000 missing full stop, 7,000 less than our worst attendance against Stoke, um, which is just, yeah, it's dreadful. And, and um, hopefully with the news of impending takeovers or change of ownership or, or whatever, hopefully that'll galvanise people to come back. But it's, it's quite worrying because once people... Um, you know, lose that bug, lose that motivation to go to games. It's it's actually quite hard to motivate them to start going again on a regular uh, regular occurrence. Young players, mate. Give them something to hope for. Yeah, that's the key. Uh, in terms of the, the, this game, I'll be generous and say that Hull will eke out a one-one draw. <laughs> And I'll take that uh, quite gladly. Um, Burnley at home to Everton. Um, Everton, yeah, we've already talked about them a bit. They're, they seem to be getting um, bouncing back into shape. They had a little bit of a dip in form recently, but um, with that draw against City, they might have some of that confidence back. Burnley um, really sort of... They, they're they a bit of a strange one because, you know, when you watch them, they can have... They're almost like the opposite of Liverpool, and funnily enough, they got that win against Liverpool, but you can watch them against the big clubs, and sometimes they'll come out and actually do really well and, and really surprise you, and then sometimes they'll just be completely flat and, and kind of go into their shells and not really offer much at all. So um, which Burnley do you think will get in this one? Do you think Everton will... It's at, it's at home for Burnley as well. Um, do you think Everton will run away with this one? Oh, look, I just think Everton are just so professional this year in comparison to previous years and Clayman's a smart manager and he'll have them set up in a way that will uh, I just exploit Burnley's weaknesses and I uh, can see guys like Lukaku and David Fave. It's really important um, for Everton going forward though that Ross Barkley gets to some form yeah. and Clayman's kind of been pretty hard on him so far so I, I really like watching him in full flight so I'm hoping that he comes back in, back into form but in terms of this game I can see a relatively easy 3-0 victory for Everton um, I think I'm with you on that one as well 3-0 for Everton um, Swansea up against Watford, Swansea at home first home game for Bob Bradley as manager, um, do you think he'll have enough in his, uh, in his box to get them out of trouble and keep them up because they've slipped into the relegation zone now. I think they're sitting in 19th. Uh, it's a bit of a concerning time if you're a Swansea supporter. Um, or, or do you think, um, yeah, do you think maybe that they're just sort of on that slide back down? I think the problem like that they had last year hasn't really changed. They don't have a recognised high-caliber centre-forward. How they turned down, look, I know he was Scheisenhausen at City, but how they turned down taking back Wolfie Boney is just beyond me. Um, they weren't really competitive in the market at all. And so, what was it? What's his name? Who's the Icelandic guy? Uh, Sigurdsson. Sigurdsson. Wasn't he playing up front last week? Uh, he like might have been. Like a false nine? Been. I know they had Lorente, <laughs> but he might be injured at the moment. And they had they had someone else who they bought as their record signing, but I think he hasn't done much either. Borja Bast? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm just trying to think that they're not going to be able to score, score enough goals this this year. But they've And they've lost Ashley Williams, who's probably the heart and soul of the club. So, yeah, I think they'll struggle, and I think they'll... Saying that, I reckon they'll get a point. 1-1. One, one. <laughs> 
Watford, um, Watford seem to be the new Southampton, where they can change their manager, they can go against all sorts of conventional wisdom in, in sacking the manager, bringing someone new in, you know, ditching half the squad, bringing in a whole bunch of new players, changing pretty much everything year on year, and yet they just seem to... Um, whether whether you could say this is an improvement on last season, I don't know, but at least they're still um, as good as they were last season, and it's pretty incredible that, that they've kind of done this, and um, yeah, they, they're almost establishing themselves as a mid-table Premier League club already. Uh, they shouldn't have... Um, who was the manager last year? Uh, Flores. Flores. Yeah, they shouldn't have got rid of Flores. I mean, despite despite the results they've achieved, they're really scraping the barrel. And a lot of these games, getting the, the right bounce of the ball and that kind of stuff, they're not playing anywhere near... I think the football they were playing last year, which was very kind of attacking and fun and this kind of stuff. And so they, they've relied on a fair few Galazzos this year from guys like um, Kapoue, who started the season on on fire to kind of get them over the line. Um, they'll certainly do enough touch wood before I put the mark on them um, to, to, to survive this year. Um, and look, under the, the current ownership, you know, whatever, whatever people say it's, that it's ridiculous, the way they're kind of owned by Udinese and there's like four other clubs in that kind of group that just move players between them. The, the, the owners have shown a uh, long history of success in this model. So I can see them staying up and establishing themselves as a kind of middle-tier Premier League club going forward. Uh, West Brom at home, Sorry, Liverpool at home to West Brom. Um, West Brom proved a bit of a bogey side for Liverpool in recent years um, and, and have that sort of style that can upset the way that Klopp might want to play the game, as we saw, I guess. Not that I'm comparing United to West Brom necessarily, but um, that more defensive um, um, style of play can sort of stem that attacking talent that Liverpool has. Um, do you see West Brom getting points here against Liverpool? Look, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of um, Matip and Lovren. Um, I th- think Karius has shown in the limited vision, admittedly limited vision that I've seen of him, that he's a little bit shaky under the high ball, which is not, that's not a criticism of him, him going forward. It's just that in the Premier League, there's a lot more balls in the box and there's a lot more physical centre forwards who are going to get in your face and make life difficult for you. And there's an adjustment period there. So that, I mean, I'm pretty sure Pulis will be instructing them to put the ball in the in the box a, a fair bit. So West Brom might find some some success there. But look, I think that Liverpool will be smarting from uh, the result on Monday night and be looking to, well, not, not necessarily bounce back, but kind of make a statement. Daniel Sturridge, is he going to start? Yeah. Big, big, big question. Does, does he go with... Um, Origi, or does he just um, go with Firmino up front? But I can see, I'll say 2-1 Liverpool in this game. I think they'll just create enough chances. I think, as you said earlier, the word with Daniel Sturridge is confidence, which just seems to be utterly lacking at the moment, and it'll be really interesting because, yeah, I mean, if he doesn't start this game, um, especially after the way he played against United, it might be really tough for him to find his way back into the side, particularly with the way that the rest of the side are playing. And, and they're really not missing having that sort of recognised striker. 
and Firmino playing as that centre forward is working wonders for them. So they don't really need a Sturridge in the side, and and certainly if he's not performing, it'll be um, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see if he starts in this one. Um, I tell you, I tell you, who else isn't performing. Uh, Mamadou Sacco's performance in the under twenty threes against United was pitiful. Yeah, pitiful. Just yeah, lost yeah, all yeah. interest in trying to get back in the side, perhaps. Yeah, I think so. I don't think there's much doubt he'll be off in January. Basically, let you know the midfielder walk past him with the ball, and then he went into the box and got the resulting penalty to tie the game up. He just looked completely disinterested for 90 minutes. So I dare say he'll be on, on, on his way out. And look, I'm not totally against against the way that Klopp's trying to handle, handle that situation. I just think it's, it kind of shows maybe that once you get in his bad books, maybe there aren't too many ways out or it's hard to wait to kind of work your way out of that so for Sturridge you know if he doesn't play or play well in this game he might find it difficult to come back long term yeah um, Man City at home to Southampton um, presuming of course um, Aguero and De Bruyne both managed to start this game do you see City sort of clicking back into, into gear or, or do you think there's still a few issues they have to work out well, with them, as I said, like that, they'll create enough chances to win the game twice over. It's just a matter of if they take them this week. So, is Tom 100%? Is he going to play? What's his confidence like? He's been missing a lot more chances this year than we're probably used to seeing him miss. He's usually, you know, I've always talked about him being very clinical and almost whenever he gets a chance, he scores. So, this is might be, in that, or this early season form might be an aberration. For him, uh, but I'm not. I'm not totally convinced by Claude Puel, although he, the team has been slowly building th- throughout the year. But you just you pretty much outside of danger to top four. I think you got to back in Man City in every game this year, and so I'd say they'll win this three-one. Yeah, I mean, Puel for for Southampton's one. I haven't been too convinced by either, and, and they certainly started the season quite slowly and. And you do have to think that at some point all of this changing of managers and draining of talent has got to have its toll on Southampton. I mean, it doesn't seem to have had it told yet, and Charlie Austin's looking fantastic for them. But, um, yeah, it's going to be hard to back against uh, Man City in this one, I think. Um, the final game up for discussion, the final game of the, the round, I suppose you'd call it, is uh, Chelsea at home to Manchester United. And there's a little bit of heat in this one. Um, Jose going back to Stamford Bridge for the first time as man- well, as Manchester United manager anyway. Um, I think I saw that he beat Chelsea as Inter Milan manager in the Champions League when he last faced his former employers, it might have been. Um, how do you see him handling this game? Do you think he'll have that extra bit of motivation to really go out and win the game or, or do you think he'll sort of set up again for containing Chelsea? He's a professional, mate. I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to be overcome by emotion. I mean, with com- comparisons of like Fergie, Fergie was an emotional manager at times, and at times it, it um, cost him, and at times it helped him. But uh, Mourinho is the ultimate professional, and I don't think he's going to worry about his history. He's been talking about that through the uh, over the last twenty-four hours, and kind of a few a few little pot shots at, at Abramovich, but as all smart players and managers do, you know, oh, well, the fans believed in me, but, you know, the fans that made the decisions, all that, that, that kind of stuff. So I think he'll, if he wants to put one over anyone, it'll be put one over Abramovich. 
Um, so do you think? Terms, do you think from that comment that um, that he'll get a warm reception? I'd be very surprised. I mean, despite well, hang on, the, the old school Chelsea fans who are trying to beat him up and boo him, they're trying to four digits these days, <laughs> so it'd be around. But um, you know, I, I think to sure he's the best manager in their history. Yeah. To test wise, so you would think that they would, they would applaud him. I mean, would he brought them what three league titles? Yeah, yeah. In six years at the club and on the verge of Champions League success on multiple occasions, taught them as far as they got ever 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 gone, pretty much um, in the Champions League and brought through lots of players and brought probably half of their all-time greatest teams. So. You'd think he'd get a decent reception. I've, I find it really hard to get a read on how he'll set up. I'm not sure he'll go for the totally negating tactics. He'll probably look at, and I'm not smart enough to work out what he's going to do and, and how he'll look to exploit Conte's tactics. I mean, with him, it's always nullify the opposition's strengths first, then how do we win the game? I don't think he'll set up to draw the game. Um, but in saying that, I think it might be... A little bit boring and might finish 1-1. Yeah, I'll probably get the same sense. I mean, I think Mourinho in the big games does seem to be a bit more cautious and, and set up to, as you say, negate the other the other uh, manager's tactics first before trying to win the game. Um, it be really interesting to see this one in terms of the dynamics between Mourinho and the Chelsea supporters um, and how they do react. I mean, I, I assume, as you say, I assume they'll give him a positive reception. It wasn't as if he walked out on the club. He was sacked and, and whilst there was that poor start I think there was certainly recognition that the players were certainly at fault for that as well um, so mm, be... lots of the fans lots of the fans were blaming yeah well it was almost a campaign to sell Sestabrigas yeah yeah so that'll I mean, so, that uh, yeah. Put, yeah. It, um, it'll be interesting but I assume he'll get a positive reaction from there um, I think it'll be a draw as well I think maybe a 1-1 or maybe even a 2-2 draw um if there's a little bit of um, goal mouth action from um, Rashford, it'll be interesting. To, interesting to see uh, from your lineup whether Rashford does start up top, or do you think? Do you think he'll go with Ibra again, do you, or, or or is it sort of time for change? Oh look, I don't. I, th- I personally, I think it's time for change, and you'd think with you know guys like Louise and John Terry that maybe having Rashford on on the the last shoulder might be a smart thing to do and play balls over the top. But um, I can kind of see Rashford, he'll play, no doubt he'll play, but I think he'll play right wing. And Switchy, well, he played right wing through his pretty much all the way through his youth career, apart from his last year in the 18th. That's not really a, a problem. But um, yeah, I fancy him to play Ibrahimovic just because of the size of the game. Yeah, and he's not. Liver Hibovich does. He does a lot against Chelsea. He was really good last year in the Champions League against them. So I'm not not too worried about that. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for coming on, Bayan. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. No problem, and thank you everyone for listening in. Um, it's been a pretty interesting week of football um, last weekend in the Premier League, and hopefully, it's another set of interesting games tonight and tomorrow night. Um, from our point of view. So until next time, I hope your team wins and we'll see you on the forums. Well, I bet that you look good on the t-